Well, we all love a good conversion story, don't we? A real turn or burn experience, drama, 180 degree turn from what was evil to what was good. Um, the person is now for the people he was actually pursuing and he's turned from persecutor to passionate follower. It's like a Hollywood epic if anyone was willing to make it. And as Christians, we all have a conversion story. Now, it may be like Saul's, or I hope not exactly, because you know, being struck blind in the middle of the road is not that exciting. Um, but some have had dramatic uh, conversions. And I've seen quite a few of these in the prisons. People completely changing. Shane Taylor, uh, when he was in jail um, at the time, he was number five most dangerous uh, criminal. And he cried out to God in his cell, on his own, with only the Lord and the, through the Holy Spirit to hear him. And he cried out, God, if you're there, then show me. And he was literally transformed in that moment from attempted murderer, drug addict, and a list as long as my arm of convictions, to a loving follower of Jesus. I'll tell a little bit more about him later on. People are often cynical about those types of transformations, especially in the prison. You know, is it real? Will they go back? Is it just to get some privilege? But quite often, um, we have to think about people living in a life that they don't like and know probably is not right. Bonhoeffer says this, if you board the wrong train, it's no use running along the corridor in the other direction. You have to completely change and make a choice. If you didn't have a road to Damascus conversion to Christianity, well, then you may have had that beautiful moment when you just realized, wherever you were, actually, Jesus, that's the thing I'm missing in my life. And you make a choose, choice to follow him. You have that first love, that excitement, that peace, whatever it may have been, when you know Jesus meets you and that's it. Or maybe you're the one who grew up in church like me, um, knew that was the way because that's what you have been taught and made a choice. And you can't actually pinpoint the time your relationship and your love for Jesus deepened and changed. You may have, have stood up and made a public uh, proclamation about it, but you just can't quite pinpoint when that happened. And maybe you're not quite there yet. Well, now might be the time to make that choice. But conversion is a point in time, a realization, a choice and a commitment. For Saul, who then later became Paul the Apostle, um, that conversion was a mark in the sand, just the beginning. And he was unstoppable from there unstoppable in his love for Jesus, unstoppable in the work he did for the kingdom and in his service to others. The book of Acts and the seven letters he wrote, or you can expand that to 13, um, if we talk about the ones he had influence over and were written about him. 
All of those were witness to his determination, his resilience, his passion, and his love for Jesus, who he, like us, never met physically. He was there when he could, uh, he would release people. He would see gifts and encourage them. He would send people out. And he was very, very, very strong on discipleship and telling people what they should or shouldn't be doing as a follower of Jesus. But you see, it wasn't that road to Damascus conversion that made him unstoppable. It was where and what he did after. And we too can be unstoppable. Unstoppable in our love for Jesus, unstoppable in our purpose, in who we are in him. Serving and living with passion, determination and resilience. Living wholeheartedly for Jesus. Well, let's look at what Paul did next. Well, after that conversion experience, firstly, he had a choice and he had to respond in some way. Elevation Worship has got a song out at the moment uh, that I've been uh, listening to quite a lot. And it says, and, and the words are just like, what would you do if he walked into the room? Ever thought about that? And I guess it depends on our mood and where we're at on that specific day. But as I imagine myself in that space every time I listen to that song, I've had different reactions, played different conversations over. But I wonder what I would really do if Jesus walked into the room. Well, Saul had that opportunity, didn't he? Blinded on the road to Damascus, he meets Jesus. The same Jesus whose followers he has been pursuing and killing and persecuting. I did, his, um, his first verbal response makes me chuckle. It's like, who are you, Lord? As if he didn't know who he was. It's one of those bumbling responses that often you think about, why did I say that? That was so silly. And I imagine that my meeting will be slightly less awkward and, than Paul's having not killed any Christians. But Paul, like us, had a choice, right? I think he could have run, terrified or like, I'm getting out of here to try and save my life. He could have thought, well, I'll follow him up for now, see how it goes and work my way out of this situation. Or I can follow wholeheartedly. The scripture says, as Jesus said to him, Go to the city and wait instructions. Well, it comes to the second thing. He had another choice. Is he obedient? Or does he say no? Well, Saul went, as we know. And he was wholehearted for Jesus from that moment. And wholehearted for Jesus means that we'll do what he asks. We just want to do whatever he asks of us. And so he chose obedience, and obedience means risk. I mean, can you imagine? He sat there for three days once he'd gone to that place. I don't know what was going on in his head. You know, was he just in awe? Was it about what just happened? Was he terrified? I mean, his only role model for punishment was himself. He had no clue what Jesus was going to do. But there's one thing for sure. Verse 11 tells us he was praying. Well, I bet he was. He had no clue what Jesus was going to do with him. 
And you see, obedience is not necessarily, in fact, quite most often, it's not the easiest choice at all. But with Jesus, it's always the right choice. And he helps us through. When we step out to be obedient, he helps us through all the next steps. And he did with Paul through the struggles, through shipwrecks, through imprisonment, through court cases, through all the suffering he experienced and the good things. Jesus honored his obedience and was with him. And in this passage, we see how powerful it is when obedience meets obedience, right? If I'm honest, my favorite bit of this passage is about Ananias, a small starring part. Now, here's another conversation you can look at um, as he converses with the Lord. Um, Ananias, do you think you could pop down to Straight Street? You know that man that's killing all the Christians and you're trying to hide from? Well, he's seen you in a vision. He knows what you look like. And I want you to go there, lay your hands on him so he can see. Well, I did say that following Jesus and being obedient is not necessarily the easiest thing. But can you picture it when he arrives? Saul, I am here because Jesus sent me. Yes, that same Jesus that made you blind on the road, he sent me. And I think it's a bit like, you know, when kids are fighting and they're like, well, my dad's going to get you. He was just ensuring his space there and, and, and telling him, Jesus is on my side. He sent me. And then he laid hands on Saul prayed for the spirit and Saul's eyesight was restored. Well, fantastic to be part of a miracle. I mean, there's nothing like miracles for your faith. And my heart says, I really hope it was him that was able to baptize Saul, though the Bible doesn't tell us. But you see there, the obedience of two men, unstoppable for the kingdom. And it created an unstoppable move of the spirit. And Saul, thirdly, had passion. Well, he was passionate about killing Christians before that road to Damascus experience. And then he was wholeheartedly passionate for the things of Jesus, telling people about Jesus, bringing them to salvation, and teaching people how to live the life well for Jesus. But fourthly, he was determined. In that passion and that obedience, he was determined. He stuck at it through thick and thin, through every struggle, through every high, through every low. And I think in order to remain determined, we have to go back to that line in the sand when we chose Jesus. Remember the first love. Remember the experience of the Spirit. Remember why we follow Him. And we have to work at that perseverance because honestly, some days it is much easier to just carry on with life and get busy. But we'll look more about perseverance and determination in another, in another sermon of this series. And lastly then, he was committed. There is no doubt that Paul was unstoppable because he was committed to the purpose that Jesus had for his life. He was committed to Jesus wholeheartedly and he wanted everyone to know the saving grace of Jesus Christ. And you see, we all have that call to make Jesus known, to grow followers of Jesus, to disciple people, to be committed, passionate, determined. 
and to live like Jesus. Now, I'm not suggesting we all become Pauls. That might be a challenge for the church. Um, but the life of Jesus is marked, a life with Jesus is marked by those things. Shane, who I mentioned earlier, in response, met the chaplain the next day and over time was discipled by him and when he came out of prison by pastors and the church that he was in. And he is a transformed man. He's now married with five children. Um, and yesterday he was saying it's so great to have them back at school. Um, but he has been obedient through every struggle. Let me tell you, you come out with a criminal record like that, you don't get employment. People ridicule you. People don't believe you. And yet he goes into prisons, he speaks out in churches, and he has just released a book, which I think is incredible. It's called Shane, if you want to get it. Um, I love to support people um, who are wholeheartedly sold out for Jesus. But I want to tell you about that big man. I mean, he is really big. If he hugs me, it is like a bear hug, and I guess you could be quite scared. Um, but when he speaks about Jesus, every time he tells his testimony, every time he recognizes and remembers what God has done, the tears flow down his face like a baby. He's never lost that awe. He's never lost that gratitude. And he's never lost what Jesus is asking him to do. And he is unstoppable. Dietrich Bonhoeffer says, we must be ready to allow ourselves to be interrupted by God. And when we are, we have a choice. We can run, we can kind of see how it goes, or we can wholeheartedly jump in and be unstoppable for the kingdom. What is your choice? Amen. We're going to take a time uh, during worship now. And I'd love you just to take a quiet moment, close your eyes, um, put your hands out as just a, nothing magic about that, but just, it just gives an openness to the Lord to say, I'm here, speak to me. And what is he doing? Recapture that first love. Who is he to you? And ask him to stir you to be wholehearted for him so you can be unstoppable.